Hello, and welcome to the turbulent world of Middle East soccer, or Mid-East soccer podcast. I'm your host, James Dorsey. Just in case there were any doubts, Turkish Foreign Minister Mevlu Çavuşoğlu demonstrated with his visit to Lebanon this week that improved relations between Middle Eastern rivals would not bury hatchets. On the contrary, improved relations simply shift the battlefield away from potential armed conflict, allowing rivals to enjoy the benefits of trade and economic cooperation, as well as lines of communication that help prevent disputes and conflicts from spinning out of control. Mr. Çavuşoğlu was stepping into the breach, as Turkey's geopolitical and religious soft power rivals, Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates, together with Bahrain and Kuwait, imposed an economic boycott of Lebanon and withdrew their ambassadors from Beirut. A one-time middle-income country, Lebanon is teetering on the brink of collapse as a result of endemic corruption and an elite willing to protect its vested interests at whatever cost. The United Nations estimates that three-quarters of the population have descended into poverty. Aggravating Lebanon's predicament, the boycott is intended to loosen the grip on the country of Hezbollah, the Iranian-backed militia and political party, which has become part of the elite. A Hezbollah pro protest in October demanding the replacement of a judge investigating last year's devastating Beirut port explosion that killed more than 200 people descended into sectarian violence reminiscent of Lebanon's 15-year-long civil war in the 1970s and 1980s. Mr. Çavuşoğlu traveled to Beirut in advance of a one-day UAE-Turkey business forum in Istanbul and a visit by UAE Crown Prince bin Mohammed bin Zayed, the first in 12 years. Turkish Interior Minister Suleyman Soylu met days later in Rome with his UAE counterpart, Saif bin Zayed al-Nahyan, on the sidelines of the Mediterranean Parliamentary Assembly. Turkey and the UAE have been at loggerheads because of Turkish allegations that the Emirates had funded a failed 2016 military attempt to topple President Recep Tayyip Erdogan and Emirati objections to Turkish support for political Islam, particularly the Muslim Brotherhood. Turkey and the UAE have fought military and or political proxy battles in Libya, Syria, the Eastern Mediterranean and France where they were on opposite sides of the divide. Moreover, Turkey supported Qatar and expanded its military presence in the Gulf state during the three-and-a-half-year-long UAE-Saudi-led diplomatic and economic boycott of Qatar that was lifted in January. Similarly, Egypt and Saudi Arabia have been seeking to tone down their differences with Turkey at a time of uncertainty over the United States' security commitments in the Middle East and the need to focus on some combination of economic reform, diversification and expansion as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic and the demands of climate change. By the same token, Mr. Çavuşoğlu traveled to Tehran a day before arriving in Beirut to bolster his position as a potential mediator in the dispute between Lebanon and the Gulf states, manage Turkish-Iranian tensions in the Caucasus along the Azerbaijani-Iranian border, and potentially 
find some common ground in Syria, where the two countries are also at odds. If there is anything that can be done for the issue in Lebanon to be resolved, as soon as possible, we are ready to carry it out, Mr. Chabuzolo said. It was unlikely, despite improving relations between Turkey, the UAE, and Saudi Arabia, that the Gulf states would loosen their stranglehold on Lebanon, or that they would trust Turkey to be an acceptable and unbiased mediator. At the same time, Turkey appeared to be further drawing regional battle lines, not only with Saudi Arabia and the UAE, but also Southeast, Euro Southeast European states, as well as Russia and Iran, with which it simultaneously competes and cooperates. It did so in a gathering in Istanbul last week of the Cooperation Council of Turkic-speaking states. The council groups Azerbaijan, Uzbekistan, Kyrgyzstan, and Kazakhstan, Turkic-speaking states in Central Asia and the Caucasus, Turkmenistan, the only other Turkic-speaking nation, and Hungary have observer status. The Istanbul gathering restricted membership and observer status to Turkic-speaking countries. The decision bars not only other Southeast European countries from associating themselves with the Council, but also Iran, where Azeris, the country's largest ethnic minority, account for 15% of the population, and Russia, with its Turkic minorities. Add to all of this the diplomatic impact of last week's arrest on charges of espionage and the subsequent release of an Israeli tourist couple for taking pictures of Istanbul's Dolma Bakhshe Palace, one of the city's major tourism attractions. The palace on the shores of the Bosporus served as the administrative headquarters of Ottoman sultans in the 19th century and the place of death in 1938 of Kemal Mustafa Ataturk, the founder of modern Turkey. The release of the couple prompted the first phone call in nine years between Mr. Erdogan and top Israeli leaders, with President Isaac Herzog and Prime Minister Naftali Bennett phoning the Turkish president separately to thank him. Israel has so far called shouldered Turkish efforts to improve long-strained relations between the two countries. Beyond the fact that Mr. Erdogan does not want the incident to scare off badly needed tourists at a time of severe economic crisis, it also provided an opportunity to break through to Israel and reduce the UAE's geopolitical advantage in maintaining close ties to the Jewish state. Mr. Erdogan expects the Turkish move to be reciproc reciprocated. That is exactly what Israeli conservatives fear. Ankara's accusations of espionage and apparent threats to raise the price for the detainees show that it was using hostage diplomacy involving innocent tourists. This is how Hamas, which is backed by, backed by Ankara's ruling party, has also behaved. Normal regimes don't detain innocent people, thundered Seth Franzmann, the right-wing Jerusalem Post Middle East correspondent. Thank you for joining me today. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. A written version of this podcast is on my blog, The Turbulent World of Middle East Soccer at MideastSoccer.blogspot.com. Please join me for my next podcast in the coming days. All the best and take care.